Good afternoon, my friends. The doctor is in the house. Welcome back to another episode of To Your Health with Dr. G on this great Wednesday. I tell you what, today we're bringing the thunder. That's how we do it every week on this show. I'm so excited to be here talking today about work-life balance. I tell you what, the promotions this week have been great. You know, those of you that have checked my Facebook page, my website, you know, you've seen some great discussion leading into this. And I want to give a quick shout out to my good friend Jody Shaleen, who helped me out with some pre-production for today's topic. But again, I'm so excited today. We are here on this Wednesday talking about how to get your work and your life to kind of equal out. We're going to dive into that a bit. A lot of us are dragged around by our career, our work that, that, require, that takes away most of our attention, requires most of our attention, our dedication, and we forget about some of the other things that are important to us. We're going to talk today about having those boundaries, but also what you can do, things that hopefully you can take away from today's show. And over the next two weeks, we're going to be breaking it down. And today, I've got like my great group of clinicians. Next week, we're going to be talking to some non-clinicians about what their take is on work-life balance. But I'm so excited to talk about such an important topic today. You know, we're here live at Intellectual Radio Studios. You're watching us on Facebook. And again, we're bringing it. And as I say each week, the panel is fierce. And I really mean it this time. I mean, I mean it every time, but like this week, it's really for real. So I, I, I'm just so excited to be here. You guys, check me out on my website, www.drmarkgomez.com. We're here checking out live. I tell you what, this topic hits home so well because I tell you what, some people might think all of us on this, on this panel here have it together, and we may do, but we all can have that room for improvement. I know I try to work on myself every day. We're going to talk about things that you can take away and apply immediately in your life. At the end of the day, of course, we want you to be as healthy as possible to enjoy your family, your friends, your loved ones. And you know in this show, we are all about building trust and delivering that truth. So before we get into meet uh, the panel today, I gotta hit you with a quick disclaimer, as usual. Here we go. The content of To Your Health with Dr. G is for informational and entertainment purposes only, and that the content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Further details can be found at www.toyourhealthwithdrg.com slash disclaimer. So here we are. <coughs> We're talking about just try to, you know, when you have that, when your life is kind of out of sync, you know, we want to have, we want to have sync in everything that we do. And I will tell you this, you know, we as people, we are risk averse as far as what we do when we get into our life and things that we do. But you can still be risk averse when it comes to having some balance. We want to make sure that you have the right foundation for success in everything that you do. And again, when your work-life balance is off, your health can be off. So what we're going to do today is we're going to introduce my panel. I'm so excited to bring them here. We got some return guests, love it, and we got some new guests too. Just love that too. But I love this kind of di dynamic this discussion, and we're just going to bring the noise. I want you guys today, those of you at home, share this video. It's super important that we have this this com conversation. What we talk about today cannot just end today. It's got to happen on a daily basis. We have to be comfortable talking about this kind of stuff. Otherwise, we can't make any measurable change when it comes to this topic. So here we go. The panel is great. I want to introduce my first guest. She's been on this show before a couple times. She's an amazing friend and a great contributor to what we've done. You know, there's some past episodes online and also on your favorite podcasting app with my, with my first guest on. Check it out. So let me introduce you to my first guest. Her credentials are fierce. Everybody's credentials are fierce today, without a doubt. So my first guest I want to introduce, Dr. Susie Francis-Best. She's HR Inclusive Diversity Lead Consultant, ERG Program Manage Manager at Allstate Insurance Company. She's also founder and president of Thrive Group International, LLC. Check her out, www.thrivegroupinternational.com, 
Dr. Best, welcome back. Thank you so much. It's always so fun to be here. I am so excited to have you here too. So why don't you tell us, give us a little bit about your clinical background. Where did you do your schooling? Uh, and then really what does this theme to you mean today? Sure. Um, I'm a clinical psychologist, and so that means that I studied how to work with people, the doctor of the mind, and so how to work with people from their um, emotional state and how mind and body affects us. And I went to the Chicago School of Professional Psychology for my doctorate degree um, and uh, have worked with uh, children as small as um, preschool, did a lot of that, and um, adolescence was where I did my uh, dissertation, and then I finished my residency at the VA working with veterans all the way up to World War II age. So I've worked a lot with different ages, but a lot of where um, I took a shift was running a counseling center for 13 and a half years, and we were um, accredited for uh, doctoral residents, so loved training, and finally had a coach tell me that I really loved developing people and um, business um, more probably than one-on-one -on -one clients. And so from there I moved into um, doing my own business development and leadership coaching, which is where I then had um, the partnership with Allstate three years ago. Excellent. Well, I can't wait to talk more in detail about this topic, which is so important to you. You know, and you and I have had some discussions, even on some previous shows, about this kind of theme coming into play. So I'm glad we can really focus the entire time on it today. So thank Great. you again. Thank you. My next guest, I've known her for a long time. Yes. We worked together at Edward Hospital. She is amazing. She's great what she does. She's an amazing person. She's awesome with her patients. Uh, she's seen a ton of my patients in, in practice as well, too. We have a great uh, professional uh, relationship and a friendship as well, too. She's a first-time guest on To Your Health with Dr. Yes, G. I'm so excited uh, to have her on. Let me read you her credentials uh, because they also are deep. So here we go. My good friend, Dr. Neha Shah, she's double board certified in internal medicine and in obesity medicine. She's with Endeavor Health Weight Management. Check her out, uh, www.eehealth.org at Edward Hospital. Dr. Shaw, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I know, I'm so excited happy to, to have be you here. here. Yeah. Please tell us about your education. Where did you do your credentials, uh, your training? And what does this theme mean to you about work-life balance? Just a few initial remarks. Sure. So I went to University of Cincinnati for my medical training and uh, first got boarded in internal medicine. I started at Edward Medical Group as an internist close to six and a half, seven years ago now. I was going to say, it's been a while, yeah. so long, yeah. Yeah, and then about two years ago, I noticed a shift in my practice um, and more and more passion in regards to kind of treating root causes of disease, so really trying to address why patients have high blood pressure, diabetes, insomnia, even cancer. And so, you know, one of the common trends that I saw was really weight and weight-related conditions. And so I went back and got board certified in obesity medicine, and it was one of the hardest things I did because my daughter was 15 months at the time. And I remember, you know, missing Halloween and trick-or-treating to go to, you know, do some courses out of state. And so that was definitely a, a big hit in the work-life balance department but um, I've been with Endeavor Health now for close to two years and really love you know treating weight and looking at how we can kind of improve the general health so excellent well, thank you Dr. Shaw yeah look forward to talking more with you about this my last guest he and I have known each other for a long time many many years he's been a guest on to your health with Dr. Cheek in the past uh, just a great friend. He's seen a number of my patients well over the years, too, so we have a great bond and everything. So I want to welcome back to the show my good friend, Dr. Gareth Trickert. I want to read, read his credentials because his credentials also run deep. So here we go. Dr. Gareth Trickert, he's a chiropractic physician and owner at Trickert Family Wellness, www.doc.com. 
D-O-C-T-Cairo.com. Check him out. Dr. Trickart, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much, Dr. G. It's always a pleasure to be here with you. I'm so excited. Please tell us about your training. Where did you do your schooling? And a few remarks about what does this theme of work-life balance mean to you? Excellent. I will. Um, well, first I want to tell you the story about my father because he Please. is what I'm all about. And um, that's how I became a chiropractor as well. So he was born in South Africa and he was helped by a chiropractor with his headaches. He said he wanted to become a chiropractor, so he hitchhiked a thousand miles from Pretoria down to the tip of Africa, Cape Town. Lived on the streets for two weeks, trying to find a job on a boat heading to the United States, which he finally did. Arrived in New York City with a dollar in his pocket, not knowing a soul, and he hitchhiked another thousand miles to Palmer College of Chiropractic in Davenport, Iowa. And I watched him help people throughout um, my youth, and he said I wanted to do the same thing. So. I followed in his footsteps. That is and, awesome, please. And then how that relates to the work-life balance. I've been through the struggles of working too much and being way off center with the work-life balance. So dealing with the issues that arise from that. And so I've worked on leveling that out and uh, it's made a big impact in my life. Well, wonderful. Thank you, Dr. Trickard. I want to continue to talk about this and really kind of get into some of the clinical aspects of what you see on a day-to-day -day basis. And really, that's one of the things I wanted to talk about today. You know, we're talking, to, we have a clinician's hats on today, but we can still talk broadly about this topic. I want to make sure at the end of the day, you all have some good take-home points, you know, but anything with your health, if something's going on, don't be afraid to talk to your doc. Yeah. Give your healthcare practitioner a call. Let them know. We are all people, all of us sitting here today, we are all people that would rather want to hear something than not hear anything at all. And again, make that investment in your health. You invest in like when you go on a vacation, you plan that out big time, you can plan out your health as well too. So we're gonna do that today. So what we're doing here today, we have the panel today, you just met them all. Uh, I wanna start off by asking this, every week on the show we break it down, I have a question, a clinical question of the hour, I call it the chief complaint, just like in the chief complaint of medical uh, and health related stuff, somebody comes to your office and they have a particular ailment or issue that they wanna discuss. So our chief complaint slash question of the hour is, how do we know when our work-life balance is out of sync? All right, so we're going to talk about that, and we're going to frame the discussion around this. Uh, towards the end of the show, we're going to talk about, obviously, myths versus fasts, which I love to do every week. But I really want to center and get really granular on this topic, because I think everybody here on the panel can offer some tips uh, of the trade, but also, uh, also some good comforting words to make sure that you can apply today. So I'm going to start with the first question to Dr. Beth. So here we go. Um, you know, when I think about work-life balance, a lot of us always think like, okay, whether it's vacations, our work, or, or, you know, you're getting pulled in all directions. But the reality is that, you know, our, we, have, we wake up in the morning, we, uh, as soon as we wake up, now your time is now somebody else's time. So give us a thought of like, how do you just kind of start your day out, right, knowing that you have to work, you have to do things, but how do you kind of keep perspective at the same time? It's a great question. Um, I think part of it is treating our personal lives uh, like our work lives. I thought planning today, there's going to be a few myth busters or, or um, outrageous things I may say. But when I've observed people from coaching, from being a psychologist, um, you know, a problem is a problem when it's a problem to us or others. So if we're unhappy or those around us keep making a similar complaint about we're never available or there's uh, that should help us have a, a clue. But one of the things that I've noticed as a theme is people will really, by force or by habit, plan things for work. Like you have stuff on your calendar, you have meetings scheduled, you, you have 
uh, goals and objectives that you have to follow, strategic planning. And then I will watch those same people who are amazing at it, have, you know, run companies or businesses, not do that with their own personal lives. So they don't plan how I just was working with a, a, a um, client who's highly successful, but um, says that she doesn't like how uh, she has the work-life balance. What's so funny, and part of it was, have you ever planned out how your ideal weekend? Because the weekend was coming up. Nope. And then she's upset on Sunday with either she spent too much time with others, not enough time with herself, too much time on whatever. And I was like, well, take the same techniques you know of how you want to achieve the best work week and apply that in your home life. Like, what, what do you want your life to look like? And start to strategically plan it macro, but then in those micro moments. Like, what would be the best ideal? Is two minutes just quietly starting the day the best way instead of picking up the phone? Is getting an old alarm clock so you're not picking up the phone as your alarm? Just really looking at what is my ideal self? And when I do have time that isn't at work, how can I not overschedule, but how can I plan intentionally where chunks of what I really want to happen can happen? I like how you say plan it intentionally, and you're right. We live by our phones and our calendars and everything, and I feel like sometimes we plan way too much, um, and we don't allow for some of that spontaneity. I love to say we're going to talk a little about spontaneity, but we don't allow for that enough, and, and, I, and I think that's something that's gotten away from it. We're so rigid, but like... Our health, our lives. We want to, you know, we all want to do well with our health and everything. But I feel like, I feel like we just gotta take a step back. The old saying, like, take a chill pill. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like, I know me as a, as a, as a physician, it's like every day I need to tell myself, wait, take a chill pill. Um, but some people feel like they can't get off their hamster wheel. So let me ask this question to Dr. Shaw. You know, if somebody's on that hamster wheel, like they're just grinding and grinding, sometimes it's hard to get a, get out of that because you're in. You know that cycle. That's how you stay productive. But 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 how do you kind of just take a take a, a step back from that? So, you know, I think that even in residency and medical school, there's this pride of seeing how many hours a week you can put in, how many hours of sleep you can go without, and. You know, what we're realizing in all professions is that true productivity and actual, you know, ha maybe happiness or work-life balance is really coming from sleeping eight hours a night and having a shut-off time between, you know, your work day and your evening hours. And so I always tell patients to really start small with it. And I think the, the best time of day that you really want to focus on is that first 15 to 20 minutes when you're waking up. Because if you can perhaps wake up maybe before the kids get up, before even your husband's up, you know, have a cup of coffee, read the newspaper, um, you know, read a book or something for a couple minutes, maybe make the bed or do something just special or unique that's just for you. I think that really sets the intention for the day. And you start the day feeling in control versus feeling out of control. The kids are already screaming, you know, your husband's like, where's his son? Everyone's just running around the house. And so I like to kind of plan ahead or, or rough schedule throughout the day. Um, but yes, if you're feeling like you're kind of stuck on the hamster wheel, I think starting with those few minutes in the morning really provides so much more productivity for the rest of the day. And then oh, um, trying to match that also at the end of the day. So making sure you have a really appropriate wind down time. And that isn't necessarily the last thing you do before bed is check your work emails, check how many patients you have on your schedule for the next day, you know, and, and build up that cortisol or that stress hormone. You know, it's interesting. I think about like for us, you know, a lot of us that are on the electronic medical work and you can check at any given time. You yes. can see labs at 2 a.m. if you wanted to. Yeah. But but sometimes the hardest thing is to say, you know what? Like me taking this computer right now, I just push this thing down. Yeah. I want to ask Dr. Trickard, how do you how do you just 
do that? I mean, how can you just say, you know what, that's it. I mean, I got to push this down and maybe deal with the consequences or the, the repercussions later. Well, that's a good question. Um, you do have to take breaks, and I, the other DAC was talking about scheduling. And yeah. you schedule things, and if you schedule your ideal life out, whether it, with it being with your body and your mind and your relationships and your business, then you have a schedule and a path of what you want to do with all those four important things. So if you plan out the exercise, you know you're going to be exercising from 6 to 7 a.m. every day, and then you're going to go get your, some nutrition, get a green smoothie or something, and then you're going to do the next thing, or you're going to focus on your relationship with your, your spouse and with your kids at certain times and kind of have that scheduled out for a bit. At least you have like an idea of what you want to do, so it's not all work-related, so it's not waking up at 2 o'clock in the morning and be like, oh, I wonder what that lab was all about. Yeah. And it's... You know, kind of scheduling, and I know some the spontaneity is great, but for me, I've had too much spontaneity in my life, so <laughs> more scheduling is better. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But let me ask, let me, let me play off your words a little bit and ask this question, throw it at Dr. Bess on this one. So say, you know, you're, you are playing out your day a little bit, and, you know, the old saying, expect the unexpected, but say, you know, you're on your way to, on your way to work, something's out of control, you get a flat tire, and now your whole day is just, just gone haywire, you start panicking. You get a little bit of palpitations. Uh, how do you kind of deal with some of those unexpected things that can interrupt your flow of your day that you had already planned? Right. Well, um, I I think of what I'll just say, Dr. Neha um, <laughs> uh, uh, mentioned is important on that start of the day. One of the things that I recommend and I do is like I I know of all the things on there. What is I call it my must do. So on top of a to do list, have the must do. Like as long as even if all hell were to break loose. This must do, so if there's the car accident or the unplanned, then I can have that flexibility or even what I tell uh, clients for that balance piece. Just because you have your children or your wife or your exercise plan doesn't mean you have every moment planned. But if you have an hour and a half that's called family time, you can still have the spontaneity, but at least it's now sacred in your calendar because some of us have work opportunities where uh, people have access to our calendar, and if they see that spot open, they're going to help decide for you how to use the time. So, <laughs> so if true. you just have that, and then one of the things I say is you can always say for now. So for now, this is what my calendar looks like. But family time, if I have that hour and a half is my ideal, and now I've had the accident, the this, the that, it doesn't work on Monday, I can take it. That's the wonderful thing of electronic calendars, even though I hated having that change. Um, now I can move that from Monday to Thursday, and maybe I won't do something I was going to do on Thursday. But I think just seeing time as an economy, part of it is learning to deal with disappointment and change, to be honest. like I feel like we don't treat time like it really is. Time, like money, has a finite amount. There are 24 hours in the day. I didn't break it down to the minutes and the seconds. <laughs> but if, if and, and only one thing can truly occupy that second in that time. So just being honest about if I've just lost three hours, yes, there's a panic. Yes, there's a stress. But really looking at, okay, back to the must-dos. Of all the things I'm going to lose out on losing these three hours, what is the one thing on that urgent, important, and how much of it is my control or others? And really, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Am I going to disappoint someone? Am I going to frustrate someone? Am I just being anal and want to get it done to get it done? So really being honest with yourself about, okay, take a step back, breathe, and really look at if X, Y, or Z is now occupying my time, 
what is the thing I can be flexible about? So I think just learning to be a little more flexible. I love that idea of flexible. We all have to do that. You know, we can be very rigid in, in, our, in our daily structure, our daily lives. You know, especially when you're when you're a professional, you know, that's why I wanted to kind of have you all on here because you all are wearing the clinical hat where you have to have that kind of schedule thing. But but it's like we still have to work on ourselves, even though you're trying to work for others. And so I want to ask Dr. Shaw that question. You know, you're trying to do, you know, I always, again, I was saying in the yeah. beginning of my opening remarks, people may think we have it all together. Like, eh, they got it together. They're clinicians, they do all this kind of stuff. But it doesn't necessarily mean that we have it together. We're still a work in progress. What's your take on that? I'm a work in progress. Um, <laughs> I swear, I swear I'll yeah. preach it. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I think I think work-life balance is something I struggle with every day. I think, you know, being a mom and being a full-time working mom and trying to be a wife and a daughter and a friend um, and showing up, you know, full force for all the wonderful people I have in my life. But then also, like we mentioned, having a little bit of that sacred time for health, wellness, exercise, and trying to find that balance. Um, I think one of the ways that I really try and strive for work-life balance in my own life is full, like, I, I don't know if there truly is balance, but integration, right? And so when I'm at work, I try to be as fully present as I can be through, through that day, but I know as soon as I walk out that door, I try and, you know, finish whatever work that needs to be done for the day. Um, and be as pre present as home as possible. You know, one of the things that really struck a chord with me was, you know, my, my daughter was playing on her play laptop that she has, and I asked her what she was doing, and she said, work emails. Oh, no. <laughs> and, that, and she's two and a half. She's two and a half, so she was doing work emails. And that such struck a chord with me of how much they absorb of our stress and tension, um, and, you know, since that moment, I've really made a commitment that I try not do any work while I'm with her or in front of her until she at least goes to bed, if it's possible. So, you know, it's it's just kind of, your, I think our kids teach us so much about patience and um, and what they absorb from, our, from their experience of us. And so it's definitely a learning process and a growth curve, yeah. You know, I think there's a, there's a sacrifice, you know, it's interesting. I have that same kind of approach myself. Uh, where it's like, hey, when I'm going after work, I, you know, I want to be present. Yes. And I think people need to really understand be, what being present is. It's being involved. And but the flip side is, you know, you've got something to do. As soon as they go to oh, sleep, yes. I have that like little voice in my head <laughs> yeah. that says, "All right, it's bedtime now, y'all. So yeah. you guys gotta go to sleep." And then all of a sudden, you think of like, "Oh my gosh, I'm gonna." So, so I, I feel like, I feel like they're always sacrificing something. Yes. And, I, and, and sometimes I, I, I struggle with that idea because it's like I want to do certain things. I know we all want to do certain things, but you're always going to be sacrificed. So there's always a give and a take. And, and, and I hate it. I would hate it if, like, the take on that one is that you strain relationships. So I want to throw this question at, 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 at our clinical psychologist here. Uh, straining those relationships. You know, work-life balance really can, can potentially strain those relationships. Well, can you talk us about, about how to have support systems or how to not to strain those kind of relationships, whether it's personal or professional relationships? I'll still go back to the money analogy yeah. because it's kind of like perspective is everything. So, yes, it is psychology. 
that when some of us decide we really need to sock away some money for whatever vacation, increase the 401k, if you have the right perspective, you don't see the less money as a horrible thing. While it may hurt, you keep that bigger perspective in mind. Well, I have less now or we're not eating out as much right now because we're going to have this. I think it's that same thing. All of us here on the panel sacrifice those relationships to get through school. Uh, we all know to get yes. through our boards. To I mean, you had to shrink how much time, but making, I think, the, the, the discussion on being present. If you know how to make sure you don't miss the most important moments of your friends, how you at least say something on a birthday or can do something, I think that's where what do the people that mean the most to us need and how can we make sure we're present in that so it may not be a quantity of time as much as it is that quality of them being known when we can provide that. Uh, because I think then sometimes people burn out by just trying to be all and end all for all relationships. And I know that even for me, I've learned even uh, just this past Sunday, finally got back together with some girlfriends from college, you know, and it's the decades now <laughs> of, of how long I'm that can be in wonderful you. relationships. Yes. And, and I just needed to be present with the amount of time I really had with a small infant at home with only having so many hours on a weekend and what I really wanted to accomplish and then being able to say, well, it's not going to be fun to be the last there and the first out, but for the time I'm there, what are the ways I'm going to be present, listening, sharing, and, and having that quality time so I'm not missed on, I can't do it at all. And I think sometimes we see things too black and white, like, oh, man, if I get go there, they'll want four hours. Instead of just being honest and saying, which of those are, can I come for one quality hour? Or how can I make sure that um, I spend a ton of time in the car for long commutes? So for some, I say, do you mind if we catch up by phone? And, and that just helps some people realize, like, man, we have spent three weeks trying to figure out when we can get together physically, when here we could have just at least <laughs> caught up for an hour on the phone on how are you doing and what's happening in your life. How can I be present with you? And so I think a lot of it is perspective on, yes, with a quantity of time to do one thing, we're going to have to sacrifice something else, but is it going to get us that end goal? I think it helps people realize if the sacrifice we're making is not getting us our end goal, that's the red flag. Yeah. That's when we have to say, then why am I doing this? Now, Dr. Trigger, do you ever have that the kind of thought, or I'm sure you see patients that come in and they say, why is this, why is that? Uh, you know, as a, as a clinician, you know, certainly we have those kind of things where you say, hey, you know, I gotta, I gotta stop, you know, I gotta take a stop, smell the roses, and then when I'm good, reintegrate myself back into what I'm doing. How do you kind of take that pause? Like, if you know, like, something's happening, like, you feel like your stress is building up, how do you know when to intervene versus just to kind of grind through it more? Because that's kind of the, uh, now, that's kind of the struggle that a lot of people make. They say, well, it's going to get better, it's going to get better, it's going to get better, and it hasn't gotten better yet. So, so how do you kind of know when, are there any red flags that you see, certainly from the patients that come in and see you, or even from yourself being introspective, on when you have to say, hey, i got to stop for a second? Definitely. Um, and I find... The solution often is exercise and diet. So when you eat better, you feel better. And when you exercise, you burn off some of that stress, and then you can start to focus more on everything else. So that's why I tell my patients is start to, you know, just have a few days of lean meats, fruits, and vegetables um, only. No, any, nothing else but that. I know that you're a vegetarian. <laughs> I'm not a vegetarian. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. I'll clear, I'll clear, but I'm very plant-based, plant -based. but uh, uh, but I'm about a 80, 85, 20, 85, 15 kind of thing. But okay. I'm all about trying to continue to um, do my job. <laughs> That's yes. awesome. Um, so eat real healthy, and yeah. in that way, and get some exercise, and that helps. 
that's just like foundational yeah. and that's where they can start to get through some of that stress and then just talk to them about what's going on in their life and uh, some of the stresses that they're dealing with and try to help them out through those stresses. Excellent, thank you. Let me ask this question to Dr. Shaw because Dr. Uh, Dr. Best used the word burnout in her yeah. in the last commentary, which I love that word, but you know, because we need to talk about it because we're all feeling it and burnout is not just for us as clinicians, it's across the industry. People feel from all walks of life. So when she used that word burnout, of course I have my thoughts on like burnout, but what, what does that word burnout mean to you? So where, where I see it the most, I, I guess for me it's just a sense of overwhelmness, right? It just in personal, professional life, um, many times patients are coming to the office with somatic symptoms or body-based symptoms, so can't sleep or gaining weight or muscle aches, muscle cramps, um, jitteriness, heart you know, palpitations, chest pain. And so I... I, I come with it with, with the avenue of this, the stress is going to come out somewhere. So if we don't have a healthy coping mechanism, it's going to come out in your body somehow. And so a lot of times when it gets to the point of like, let's say, um, a stomach ulcer or you're in the ER for chest pain at 2 a.m., I am the first to tell the patient, you got something has to give, yeah. right? And so, and I think it's so hard for us when we are type A or high functioning to be the first to say, I need to take a step back, right? I need to, to, to do something different. And um, again, I think that there's just such a stigma around strength of the keep going, keep going. I'm on my fourth cup of coffee and, you know, I have just this last uh, project to get to. And so I think if we start to recognize, and I think organizations are getting better about recognizing that burnout is a real is a real thing, and we really have to do and put in some preventative measures to help prevent burnout to, from becoming more serious. Dr. Bess, uh, what are some other kind of signs and symptoms that somebody may know that they are experiencing burnout? Sure. Um, some of them are uh, uh, feeling disillusioned, more angry, um, so kind of, and losing that meaningfulness. So if you ask yourself, you know, I'm exercising and I used to do it because I loved it, but I'm just not getting a positive feeling. So uh, people who may not be as aware of um, feeling stressed can look and say, again, if others around you have complained, like what's wrong with you or you're not seeming as happy or why are you short with us? So sometimes it takes that external, if one just is so into it they can't see it, um, or realizing that, you have no value. When you look at the work and, and the way you're living your life, you, none of it is feeding you positively anymore, and the things that were giving you that positive feedback aren't, that's usually a sign of burnout. And when you have start seeing more of the half-empty glass, you know, so nothing is bringing joy, um, you're not seeing, why, why, why am I doing this anyway? I, it's a good question to ask. I think sometimes we should get with a coach, a, a physician, or a therapist, and, and really have that moment of saying, what am I doing? What is the life I'm living? Am I getting what I need to out of it? And if I'm not, um, back to perspective, how do I move from being a victim of the life I'm living? It's your life. Only you can live your life. So how can you move from life is happening to me to what is at least one step I can take towards the life I'd like to have? So whether it's change one thing about that diet or one thing about how we start the morning or one, one less glass of wine, one less cup of coffee, one, you know, one walk around the block, but really looking at um, burning out being that feeling that noth nothing is working and more of that victim kind of, like things are happening to me and not a perception of having control. Yeah, you know, and, and I always say for me as a, as a physician, it's like, hey, I mean, we've, we may have all been here, I'm not going to just, you know, assume anything about people, 
on the panel, but but I can honestly say I've been burnt out before and, and got to the point where I've really kind of contemplated things on the direction I'm going on. And the challenge is certainly being a clinician is sometimes those avenues to deal with that are not there. Or if we if we try to deal with that, it may be it may be a sign of saying, Oh my gosh, you're it's a sign of weakness. I think about going back to what Dr. Shaw was saying, like in, in residency and training, you know, if you're if you if you weren't there and you didn't see that case then somebody else will. And that might set you on another course that says, well, I'm not going to get into that program. I only have to go to that school. Blah, blah, blah. So so we don't think about that stuff, kind of stuff. Or maybe we do think about it and say, I don't want to go in that pathway. And now I'm just going to just keep pushing along. But what is it going to lead us to at the end? It's going to keep, keep us happy. Yeah. So Dr. Trigger, let me ask you this question. Burnout. You know, you see people coming in. Give me some examples of some of the kind of the common, like, musculoskeletal complaints that people will say. You know, we talked about some of the things that Dr. Dr. Shaw mentioned about, about ulcers and, and other kind of things that help them from a medical standpoint. What are some of the things you see when people are having work-life imbalance? Well, you'll definitely see lots of tension in their face. Yeah. <laughs> Those shoulder muscles go up yeah. like this. Yeah. Um, and the, the other things like the irritability. Um, a lot of people come in the office smiling, and the ones that don't, you know, they're... They're stressed, so they're, they're burned out, they're in pain, that type of stuff. And I think that pain will start to manifest more when they are burned out, when they are stressed and things are out of balance. So, Let me ask a follow-up question to that one. How do you kind of approach uh, somebody that may be presenting to you like that? Do you have kind of a trick of the trade that you're using or, or something that you're able to do to help? Hopefully, hopefully when they leave your office, they are in a little bit of a better mood or are they feeling more relaxed? I mean, is there something that you wind up doing to... Because the reality is when we're seeing people, we're with people with their lives, we are, we, are, we are therapists, we're coaches, we're doing all that kind of stuff as we have them for that moment in time away from that situation before they integrate themselves back into a potential stressful situation. Uh, are there, there are some tricks or the tips of the trade of, that you do to help them out? We do try to talk to them about you know, how, how's these problems affecting your life okay. and how you're going to be when these problems aren't around anymore and how that's going to change for you. And just try to keep encouraging them positively, and, and tell them any encouragement that you can, and uh, you know, get them feeling better. Excellent. Let me ask this question, Dr. Shaw. Let's talk a little bit more medical, real quick. Uh, what are some other things that you see? You know, you you are a you're board certified in internal medicine. You do obesity management. What are some of the things you see on some of the patients that see you in your practice that are dealing with chronic stress? You you're probably seeing certain kind of presentations, and then how do you coach them through that kind of stuff? Sure. So I mean. Just about anything can be related to stress. So if we talk about stress, a lot of times as a clinician, we'll relate that over to cortisol, which is kind of our main stress inflammatory hormone. And in the beginning, you know, it was evolutionarily there to kind of fight a saber-toothed tiger, right? And so now it's like a big meeting with your boss or a fight you had with your husband, and all of a sudden that adrenaline and then cortisol shoots sky high. And so that really sets us off in the inflammatory cascades in the whole body, and that can increase heart rate, increase blood pressure, um, then develop into more chronic hypertensive states. And on top of that, then we talk about how that affects insulin, and then insulin is our big kind of storage molecule, and that causes more fat storage. Now we're talking diabetes, pre-diabetes, which a lot of us um, in the U.S. are struggling with. and. Even um, atrial fibrillation, which is a heart arrhythmia, has been linked to you know increased anger, hostility, and stress at the workplace. And so, um, reflux—that's another big one that we'll see. 
chronic insomnia is a big one. So really any organ system, again, can kind of exude stress based on uh, just how your body is going to interpret it. One of the things that I see with my patients who may have chronically struggled with weight have been on and off that weight cycling pathway is that they've lost the confidence in themselves and they've felt that you know, by the time that they're at my door that this is feeling like Mount Everest again. And so I always tell patients, start with the most smallest actionable goal that you feel like you can meet consistently. Um, and so I will tell patients, they'll come to me and say, I'm gonna start exercising five times a week. And I say, no, we're gonna start with one time a week for 15 minutes. And they laugh and they say, that's easy. And I, and I say, that's the point. You know, because I want for you to regain that confidence in yourself that I can do this and I can show up for myself consistently in my own life. So once you start to do that and build that confidence, um, I always tell patients, you know, when you put it on your schedule, pretend like it's, it's, it's a meeting with your CEO of your company because you are the CEO of your body and of your health. And so you would never miss that meeting and you would never show up a minute late. And, and treat your own body with that level of respect. And so once patients start to build that willpower muscle, um, and you know after the first month, they say, I did it, I did four times, I actually did six times because I felt so good going out and walking for 15 minutes, that 15 minutes became 30. And so that becomes this like natural pathway back into health and fitness for a lot of my patients. That's excellent, and they get that reward too. I always say, you know, when you have that, I totally identify with you when you said you know, that use that word Mount Everest. You know, people come in with these uh, with these insurmountable um, challenges that they may think are insurmountable, but with the right person to just sit and listen to them, I think the possibilities are great. And you're setting up realistic plans, little things like that. Then you start releasing those happy chemicals. You release a little bit of dopamine in that body and that reward system. You start getting that, and it starts feeding itself again, and that's what we want. First, the other kind of reward system from dopamine when you're eating something that tastes really good and you're stressed out because you're eating it again, and you eat it again, next thing you know, you gain, you know, 20 pounds. Uh, so, so we have to make sure we have realistic goals. Let me ask this question to Dr. Dr. Best. Uh, you know, we're advising clients about, um, you want them to get to the big picture, but how do you kind of keep them focused on the short term versus when a lot of times we all just jump to the long term? How do we kind of just, you know, keep them focused? Uh, one of the techniques I use in my coaching practice is telling clients for now. And I've had a lot of positive feedback of like, I never thought of that. Because often when I'm listening, um, whether it's at Allstate, whether it's in my um, professional practice, someone's stress is around an event or relationship and a decision that they're making and they just think that it's going to, that it's a permanent one. Like, you know, I've got to study for the boards or I'm making a move in my job or I've got to, you know, really press hard to get that next promotion. But that's for now. And really being honest about when will this end or how can you say no for now or no, I, you know, I'm not going to eat meat for now, but we'll see. We'll see where this goes. And so even those incremental tiny changes just to say for now, I'm going to try out this or that and just the relief people have when they switch from a yes or a no to a for now. I'm saying no for now or I'm saying yes for now. I'll try this for now because it takes back more of that ownership that I'm the one. I will then decide if the no becomes a yes or the yes becomes a no or this isn't working. I'll try something new. So the biggest to me takeaway for small increments is just for now that whatever you're doing is for now. Um, and, you know, try out a new schedule for now. And it doesn't mean like, oh, I've, you know, now we'll put, put this all in and now this is the way it's going to be. Because honestly, it's not. Whatever each of us did that worked for us for balance, 
even three months ago is probably not what we're doing now because of weather change, family change, just life is constantly changing. So even that has to make us more honest on whatever we're deciding is for now. Yes, I love it. I mean, we got to do it. Dr. Trigger, go ahead. So to expand on what Dr. Shaw was saying here is I've, what I've done with myself is I've made targets for things and I'm seeing myself, for example, instead of just going to the health club and running, um, I've made a target to do this 5K on September 8th and I picked a timeout. So I'm having that draw me forward to my goal and I know I need to, so I'm seeing myself as a, as a, a man who runs a 22 minute 5K. I'm at 25 minutes now, so I know I'm going to have to put the work in yeah. to get to the 22. <laughs> and so every really time good. I'm working out, I'm, I'm seeing myself of the person that I want to be, and I'm using that as a target to draw me forward. And then we're also going on a, um, a hiking trip shortly thereafter, so I'm using that as a target and a goal to push me forward to help me through doing some monotonous exercise. And it's made a big change in my, in my workouts. I'm doing those extra, those extra reps, those extra... Yeah. Quarter mile sprints and whatnot, so and but, not quitting early. <laughs> but I'm, saying, I'm glad that you had something set up like that, you know, because you're not looking super long term. You're looking really short term, but you're looking at that. I can try to get there with these short cumulative uh, steps as long as I'm consistent. And even if, even in that kind of window, when you plan something out a little bit like that, you still have time in case something slips a little bit or you might be off or things like that. You have time to recover. It's the sometimes those situations where it's like I want to do this by next week, and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa you got to stop. And, you know, we can't do that like that. And, um, uh, and so I'm glad that you have that like that. My only kind of approach, where I try to look at it, I kind of say, all right, every day I wake up in the morning, and I told Dr. Best's story before on the show, uh, where I've actually talked about how, all right, going back to what we're saying, we get 24 hours, everybody gets the same 24 hours, and I divide it into basically what is um, discretionary time and what's kind of an obligation. And so when I kind of go through that whole kind of scheduling, and I say, all right, when I get my discretionary time, it might be, you know, obligations, you know, work, gotta sleep, gotta commute, things like you gotta eat, Eddie's restroom, you gotta do those kind of things, Bio biology calls. But then when you have some discretionary time, I try to say, okay, what's still important to me? And even though work's important, I've come to the conclusion that my life is more important. My own health is more important than work. My family is more important. So I think it's like you gotta prioritize what's important to you. And it's like, hey, if work wasn't here tomorrow, it's all good. We're gonna be just fine. Yeah. What's more important to me is I look up in the morning, I look at my wife, I go, I look at my children, I go, I feel blessed, I feel great. And that's the most important thing. Work is secondary. A lot of us have that kind of flip mindset where it's like work is primary. So let me ask this question, Dr. Best. How do we kind of get, and those of us that might be thinking that way where work is your primary focus, how do we just say, you know, there's other things out there? Uh, not to say that work's not important, but like how do you kind of get people to just kind of switch that mindset? Yeah, this is, in my mind, very cliche, but it may be because I've, I've heard it in my field so much. But um, when they've um, interviewed hospice nurses or those who've written books on death and dying, um, will often say they've never met someone who's dying saying, I wish I had worked more. They consistently meet people saying, I wish I had um, spent more time with those that meant the most to me. And that has always struck me. So I'm saying it, hoping that I'm not taking for granted that not everyone has heard that as many times as I have. Um, and even when I worked with the veterans, when, you know, working with people that knew they were, um, had less time. I, I feel like if we, we all took that, you know, inventory of if we knew our, our end date, if we knew it was a Friday, would we do anything differently right now? And it might, it might take something that extreme to help some of us turn the priority around. Because I think for some, we keep waiting for that day. When I finally make X amount, then I'll spend more time with my family. And by then, the kids might be 20 years old and be used to not having you around and not know what to do with you. 
by the time they do. The other thing I would just add is also look for that meaningfulness at work. Some of us are doing what we love. We have that privilege of education or choices we've made, and, and others are, are, are at a job because it does what it needs to pay the bills. And that's where I would say, even at a place like Allstate, you have a variety of types of jobs, but then there's the thing that people may love. Like for us, it's the employee resource groups. So if you find something, even at work, like something that's meaningful, like switching a job or finding a way to care for people or have conversations that are meaningful, even that can switch that perspective to how can you make meaning even if you feel like what you're having to do is meaningless. Wonderful. Thank you very much for that insight. So what I want to do right now, guys, I want to, we've been having this great discussion on just, on just our perspective on work-life balance, and I hope that you guys are taking some notes, but also more importantly, having some critical insight and some introspective uh, uh, analysis right now, what you can do, taking it from some tips of people that, that are out there advising others and working with patients and clients on a daily basis. So I want to get into a section that I'd like to do every week on Tiro with Dr. G called Myths versus Facts. So what I do on this Myths versus Facts, I say a statement that a panelist says either myth or fact, and it gives a quick uh, a summary on what it is, what they think it is. Maybe there are no right answers. Maybe I don't know. We'll see. Uh, so I like doing this stuff. So I'll start with Dr. Shaw. Here we go. Myth or fact. Here's a statement. You say myth or fact, and please explain afterwards. Okay. No Here pressure. we go. I no know. pressure at all. And I'm picking on I'm picking on you well. first because you, the other, the Dr. Tricker and, and Dr. Best have seen myths versus facts before. So here yeah. we go. It's the initiation process. Okay. All right. So here we go. Here's a statement. I'll give you a nice one. Here you go. Uh, maintaining a healthy diet, drinking water, and minimizing stress are some ways to best support healthy living. Back. Please yeah. explain. Um, I think, you know, again, just trying to have what's in your control and I think also having gratitude for what we have. You know, sometimes when we talk about work-life balance, our, our problems are our problems, but I also think trying to find a, a, a sliver of happiness in every day is, is so key. And so it can start by being as simple as, I bought a new water bottle for work. And it sounds so simple and silly, but if it gets you hydrated, I, I like it, you know? That's awesome. Yeah, and, <laughs> and so I, I, I do tell patients sometimes, and one of the things I ask every, every single visit is, what was your success moment? For the month and a lot of times they're like, they're like i gained weight i didn't have any success i'm like nope we're gonna find something that was a success and so i think you know and there's a lot of science behind you you can look for happiness or be happiness focused or you can find the problems and mm -hmm. you know folks can be in the same situation and someone can you know be at a concert and be like oh it was hot and the people were pushy and it was sticky and then someone else would be like it was beautiful and the music was great and you know I, you know i I made eye contact with the lead singer of the band, and so I just think it's that perspective switch, um, and I kind of got off topic there, but yeah, I think it's a little bit of a perspective <laughs> switch, um, even you. when it comes with health, healthy living, yeah. Absolutely, thank you. Here we go. Myth or fact, here you go, Dr. Triggered, here we go. Uh, life needs to be compartmentalized. We should spend eight hours at work, sleep for another eight, and set aside another eight hours for leisure and social activities. But that'd be nice if it was that simple. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's not that simple though so it's hard to do there's gonna be some days where we can't sleep as much there's gonna be other days where we get to sleep a lot like Sundays hopefully um so just find out the balance that works for you and doing what works best for your work and life balance excellent here we go Dr. Best myth or fact here we go here's a statement when it comes to work-life balance quote you can have it all end quote <laughs> 
Oh, he said I wanted to write that book. That that's the American lie. Uh, so. We, we can have the life we'd like to live, but it also goes back to that cost. You know, I, we, I only make so much money, so how I choose how much I'm spending in insurance, how much I'm, you know, putting aside for the future, how much I'm putting aside for giving to causes are, are my choice. And I think really just being honest on um, how are we making sure that we can have it all in as much as we want. The one thing I would put a huge begging the audience for is stop comparing. I think so much of what we all see and where people are being burnt out is my kid has to be in three things because everyone else's child is, or I have to do this and this because everyone else does, and just really saying, what is it you honestly need, not what is it that you think society is telling you. So really being able to say, what is your all, not how are you meeting society's all. Excellent. Thank you. Here we go. Next statement for Dr. Shaw. I like this one. Uh, the statement, quote, the early bird catches the worm, end quote, is still applicable in this day and age. Myth or fact? Oh, gosh, that's a tough one. Um, I guess it depends on where your productivity lies, you know? <laughs> if you are someone that is a morning person and likes that early morning hour, I think it's great. You, you caught the worm. But I would say it's after eight hours of sleep. So don't sacrifice sleep to catch the worm. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. All right, here we go. Dr. Trickert, we'll do a few more of these. Here we go. Uh, here's a statement. <laughs> the less you work, the happier you'll be. Myth or fact? Um, or somewhere in between? Probably somewhere in between. For me, I like working. I love what I do. So that's a big part of my life is, is working, and I enjoy it. I work with my wife. Um, like helping out people. So it's a huge part. So I like working. For others who don't like their work, <laughs> I would say switch that mindset so you find some gratitude in there. I had one patient mention that He's a garbage man, and he's like, I'm doing God's work. I'm cleaning up the world. And it's like, that is just awesome. What do you yeah. think? That's a great way to think. Here we go. Dr. Best, next statement. Myth or fact. Here we go. When it comes to work-life balance, it is important to practice self-care. 100% fact. Uh, Please explain. It goes back to even where I ended. Like Self-care, part of it is knowing you. I, I find so many people have been dictated to what career to have, what the next thing is to do, how to live one's life, that they, they haven't taken an inventory of what do I want. So really being part of self-care is knowing, first pausing and saying, what would it look like to care for myself? Like, do I need more time with people? Do I need more time alone? Do I need to exercise more or less? What do I need to start, stop, and do differently um, as a part is the the baseline of self care. Just get to know yourself. Have some fun getting to know yourself. Excellent. Well, there you go. We had some myths versus facts. It was great, guys. Great segment. So we have about five minutes left. Can you believe it? I'm like we're having such a great yeah. time. I go, man, there's only five minutes left. Uh, but again, this is why it's so important to have these kind of conversations. Again, what we talk about today, this needs to be part of an everyday conversation with the people that support you and the people that are that are around you. Let's talk about it. We have to do more talking, in uh, generally speaking. So here we go. Um, at the beginning, I talked about the chief complaint. We kind of said, "This is how do you have? How do we best acknowledge and, and provide work-life balance?" You know, at the end of the day, when somebody leaves our office, we call it the assessment and plan. So we're going to wrap it on up. So I'm going to start with Dr. Trickert. Uh, give us a few key takeaway points for people out there that are listening to us or watching us. Three key key points about how do you keep that good balance? What is you know how to be successful when it comes to work-life balance? How would you kind of close this out for us? Well, for me, the important things in my life, I focus around four different things. That's my body, and I do work on my body with um, exercise and nutrition. My mind, I work on that with um, listening to motivational tapes, um, speakers, doing some meditation. So keep that mind healthy. There's relationships. 
we plan out dates with the wives. We do um, certain activities. And I make sure I communicate with my kids every day. And then there's the business. And that's, that's easy for me because that's what I love to do. And so I, try to, but I do try to learn something new every day um, about my profession. And I can help out people better. Awesome. Again, thank you very much. And it's been a pleasure to have you on the show again, Dr. Trickard. All right, Dr. Shaw, give us a couple take-home points for how do you strike that balance yeah. between work and life? Um, I, I truly believe in the power of meditation. So I do think even taking a minute of the day to yourself is huge. And I think it sets a different intention for the day. And I, what I like to do is pair it with a gratitude journal. So maybe starting a gratitude journal with two to three things that you you know, you know, found some appreci appreciation in throughout the day. Maybe one of those is work-related, a couple of those homes, so you start to find that balance. Um, and then I do think get out and do something active every day. I think there's just something so powerful to the, that ha those happy hormones that happen um, when we're out and exercising, and it just changes and puts perspective on what you really are looking for in life. Excellent. Thank you, Dr. Sean. It's been yeah. a pleasure having you on the show today. First, I look forward yes. to connecting with you again. Dr. Best, give us a couple take-on points. How, do, how can people be successful in striking a balance between work and life? I think the first thing is take time today. While this is still um, resonating and say, what am I, am I happy? Am I okay with what things are like? Or if I'm not, what, is, what needs to get off the plate? What do I, and even if it's a good thing for now, put that aside to have more time for what you're really looking for. I think that whole self-evaluation would be the, the absolute number one, two and three. Excellent, thank you very much. And kind of my final take-home points for this. You know, in August of 2018, the American Academy of Pediatrics said prescribe play. For what I think about it, when I think about you out there that's listening to the show and the patients that come into my office day in and day out and what I do myself is we forget to have that fun time ourselves as adults. You know, play is different when you're a kid versus when it's adult, when you're an adult, but you can still have that kind of time. We know that kind of activity, when you're doing something fun and stopping to smell the roses, it helps with not only physical health, your mental health, and even neurocognitive health. So I implore everybody out there to just stop and smell the roses, do something fun. If you haven't done something in a long time, maybe you haven't ridden a bike, or you didn't go roller skating, or go for a walk with your spouse, just do something fun. Take that time to invest in you. And I promise if you do so, the possibilities and the awesomeness, the sheer awesome factor will be great for you and your loved ones. All right, guys. So, hey, it's been a pleasure having everybody here today. Thank I mean, you. the guests have been fierce. I told you that. You know, I want to thank everybody today. I want to thank Dr. Gareth Trickert. you got to check him out. Longtime friend of mine. He's seen a ton of my patients. Chiropractic physician and owner at Trickert Family Wellness, www.doctchiro.com. Dr. Trickert, thank you. I want to thank Dr. Shaw, Dr. Neha Shaw, double board certified in internal medicine and in obesity medicine and Endeavor Health Weight Management. Edward Elmer's Health. She sees a ton of my patients. She can see you too. www.eehealth.org. She is on fire. And then lastly, I want to thank my good friend, Dr. Susie Francis Best, HR Inclusive Diversity Lead Consultant, ERG Program Manager at Allstate Insurance Company, as well as founder and president of Thrive Group International. Check her out. Website www.thrivegroupinternational.com. Thank you, Dr. Thank Best. You. Hey, everybody. You've been listening and watching live on Facebook at intellectualradio.com. This episode is written by Mark D. Gomez and Tiffany E.R. Gomez. Producer is Tiffany E.R. Gomez. Music is by the wonderful Mr. Havis. Copyright 2019 by MDG Wellness LLC. All rights reserved. Hey, stay tuned for next week. We had the clinicians on this week. Next week, we're going to continue this work-life balance 
part two, the non-clinician perspective. Hey, share this episode. The best you can do is share this episode with those that you, that you care about. Keep this conversation going on. Again, check me out on my website, www.drmarkgomez.com. I'll catch y'all later. Peace out.